Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. Every now and then, we read something that is so fresh, so honest, so meaningful, that it resonates with us long after we close the book. Today's luminary is one of those kind of writers. He's beloved as a poet, a teacher, and a storyteller. He's a New York Times best-selling author who has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time, a consummate storyteller, and an eloquent spiritual teacher. When you read his Today's Brilliance, you'll see why I just had to interview this man. His name is Mark Nepo, and he's here to share his inspiration with us. Mark, I am so honored to welcome you to InspireMeTodayRadio.com. Oh, well, thank you, Gail. It's wonderful to be with you today. I can't wait to read the book. I fell in love with your Today's Brilliance, which is why I said I have to meet this man. I want to talk to this man. So, Mark, let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about how did you get to be who you are today? Oh, well, well, thank you. You know, I'm, uh, just to give you a sense, I'm 62, and, you know, from a very early age, I'm, I'm a poet and a philosopher and a long-term cancer survivor, and uh, meaning, like, next week will be 26 years. Oh, that's the, wonderful. Good. Thank you of the, the heat of that journey. And, you know, so from an early age, um, before I knew what spirit was or even what a poet meant or, you know, I, I always, even as a boy, a little boy, I felt like the universe, God, whatever you want to call what's larger than us, always spoke to me, usually in metaphor. You know, I'd watch the wind through the trees and somehow it wasn't just wind through trees, it was saying something to me. And I, So I was just always in conversation with things and and then when I was in, you know, high school, the first woman I fell in love with dumped me and broke my heart. And I didn't have any, I had a lot of acquaintances, but, you know, I didn't really have close friends until I went to college. So so in order to heal, you know, I just began writing. I began talking to myself, I thought. But, of course, I was beginning another way of having a conversation with the universe. And then, you know, if we fast forward a bit to my 30s, I was teaching at the University of Albany when um, <clears throat> I found myself thrust into this journey with a rare form of lymphoma. And after, you know, a three-year period of, you know, surgeries and chemo and saying yes to surgeries, saying no to surgeries, mm-hmm. um, saying yes and no to chemo, I was blessed to still be here. And and that's when things opened up in a very different way for me. You know, I woke up on the other side of that journey, and with no wisdom on my part, uh, you know, I'd like to say I was wise, but <laughs> no wisdom on my part. I just, you know, woke up, and my the essence I had moved from my head into my heart. I like to use the image like snow melting in the ground, like in March. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there I was. And from that point forward, my mind has always served my heart and not the other way around. And the other really important thing that happened during all that time was, you know, I'm Jewish. I was raised Jewish. But I'm a student of all paths. And that really came into my heart during that time because 
I was blessed to have people from all traditions, some people I knew, some people I didn't, offering some kind of help, blessing, support. So when I woke up still here, I wasn't, and I'm still not, wise enough to know what worked and what didn't. And so I was challenged to simply believe in everything. <laughs> all my work, all it's my It's a wonderful book, way to put it. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, all my work, all the books I've written in the last 25 years, all my teaching, have proceeded in that inquiry. I, I really am always looking for what's at the heart, the common center of all the traditions, not how we're different, but how we emanate all these gifts from the same center. So, you know, all my books <clears throat> really... Uh, explore all the different traditions and the different story traditions and and um, yeah so those are two very big things that have led me and you know now um, now I'd say you know one of my teachers <clears throat> currently is the notion well, was a couple but the one that comes to mind right now is the notion that all things are true not that all things are fair, or that all things are, you know, equal, or mm -hmm. that all things are just, but that all things contain truth. And, and this leads us to <clears throat> paradox, and paradox is one of the greatest teachers. Uh, it's always been a great teacher for me. And I, I think that what I mean by paradox is, Simply any moment where more than one thing is true at the same time. And the, the mind can't solve paradox. But the heart, if we can keep our heart open, the heart can hold it, can embrace it. And then we're led into a feeling of how all things go together. Well, you know, Mark, it makes me want to ask you, you mentioned that you woke up, you you used the term woke up, and I don't know if you meant that literally or figuratively, but I think we all have moments that define our life. Now, your cancer journey, did you mean that you literally like came out of an operation and found out you were still alive, and in that moment things changed, or was this a progression of realization over a period of time? Well, if, thank you for the question, both, <laughs> both, you know, um, there were, you know, a couple of operations where I woke up still here, and um, and everything was the same but different. And then as I, you know, lived into that over time, um, and over these last 25, 26 years, you know, I believe that enlightenment is really a series of awakenings. I don't believe in a, personally, in an arrived at, enlightened state. I believe that being human, the journey of being human, is that we fall into moments of being awake and then we fall asleep. <laughs> we're we're yeah. clear and then we're confused. We're, we're hurt and wounded and then we feel safe. We're overwhelmed by fear and then we have this amazing sense of peace. And I, I think that it's, you know, everything in life constricts and dilates, expands and contracts, opens and closes. 
And the human heart is no different. The human mind is no different. This is how, you know, a simple worm, by contracting and expanding, that's how it moves through the earth. And this is how a human being, spirit in a body and time on earth, this is our journey. So I'm much more, more, I've become much more interested, and I write about and teach about and explore with people. So what, what is our human journey of spirit on earth? And it's, to me, it's a practice of return. That is, we, we all, we will fall off and, and then we, how do we get back to center? Exactly. So how do we open? Yeah. So it's just remembering, well, being that we are human, how do you deal with the part of life called adversity or challenge? When that hits now, now that you are in your awake time, shall we say, how do you best deal with that? Well, the first thing is accepting that difficulty is, is part of life. It's part of the journey. No, nobody likes it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't enjoy it. But it's part of the deal. And so the first thing is that, and, and different traditions speak about this differently. You know, in our, in the Western Judeo-Christian tradition, we have saints and the sages that we, you know, pray to to get us out of trouble. Hmm. One way to put it, okay. You know, but in, in the Hindu tradition, for instance, right. there's the deity Ganesh or Ganesha, which I absolutely love, and usually represented as an elephant as a wise mm-hmm. old elephant. Ganesh, in the Hindu tradition, is the provider and remover of obstacles. Ah. So that's a little, that's a little ah. different. Provider. Not just yeah, the remover, the, the provider as well. The provider. and So this has implicit in it, this worldview, that obstacles are teachers. And difficult as they are, they're presented to us jar us from the outer race and to remember the inner source and usually obstacles are are always there until we learn what it is we are to learn and then we either move through them or they dissolve or sometimes the way that we were seeing is what made it an obstacle just our perception it wasn't an obstacle at all and so, you know, the life of, and, and another way, I think, to, to understand adversity, before we talk about, you know, particular, like, mm-hmm. how do you do this and that, but I think this is important for me on, in how we look at adversity. And that, you know, we all as human beings, there's many ways we grow, but two major ways we grow are by shedding, like snakes and crabs. Right shedding things that no longer work willfully and or by being broken open and kind of like a spiritual dna we each have our own combination of these two these two inclinations these two leanings into life and you know we don't have to worry if if we're stubborn and we we don't want to shed 
we'll get a chance to be broken open. <laughs> you know, I always affectionately joke that God seems to send me lessons in little doses first, and sometimes it takes like what feels like being whacked over the head by a sledgehammer to get it, <laughs> seriously. And it's only when I get to that point, though, Mark, that sometimes I'll look back and say, oh, well, here were like four instances where I had the opportunity to learn this prior that I didn't get it. And then well, you, you know, I, I had a very, you know, years ago, since we're talking about, you know, that journey of mine through cancer, you know, the very telling, profound moment, just as you're speaking about it, was when, you know, I had had very aggressive chemotherapy, and it started to damage me. It started to kill me. And I was trying to decide whether to continue or not because everybody makes you afraid you know if you don't continue of you course. know the, the cancer will be there especially and, 25 years ago <clears throat> yeah so especially 25 years ago so i was up in the night and i had this i had the beginnings of neuropathy which was damage from the chemo where your extremities the nerve endings and your all your extremities uh, are damaged and you start to feel numbness and I started to have I had a, what I'd learned was an ulcer in my esophagus from the chemo but I this at this moment I didn't know what that was I was just feeling these things and I was awakened in the night very feeling very weak but with this attack in my stomach from this what I later would learn was the ulcer and so there I was in the middle of the night asking God saying Oh, what should I do? What should I do? Should I continue? Should I not? Can you give me a sign? And I'm right. walking around in the middle of the night, and I get another <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Please continue. Another attack in my stomach. And again, I'm just feeling, you know, so distraught, almost desperate. And, and I ask for a sign. And again, and finally, finally, I got it that these were the signs. Exactly. These were the signs. It's funny how sometimes we're, you know, it's that same story, the same analogy that has often been used that you pray to God and a rowboat comes by and somebody throws your life raft and know God's going to save me. <laughs> it's the same thing that you're talking about. But sometimes we have to wait till we get to the sledgehammer to be able to see, oh, that was a tap on the shoulder. Oh, yeah, look over here. I was nudged a little. And it's, Well, I think, I think one of the things, you know, one of my... my uh, last uh, nonfiction book, uh, which came out last year, it was called Seven Thousand Ways to Listen, and it's it's all about the inquiry of listening, which has a lot to do with being present. But we're starting to talk about that because I think the the other way um, before the sledgehammer comes is to put down our conclusions and our assumptions, and the quiet courage to meet life freshly for the first time. Often we don't see what's obvious because we're looking for something else. And we're so intent on what we're looking for that we trip over the obvious. And we all do this. It's not, it's not to be blamed or blaming ourselves or each other. It's to look at this with compassion and say, oh, when I do that, how do I put down the maps that I carry in my head, in my heart? So I can, you know, we all know I'm looking out at a tree in the rain right now, you know, as we're talking. 
And we've all been taught, you know, that's a tree and that's rain. But even under the names we give things, to meet that thing out there freshly, and it's really this water falling from the sky. When I think about it that way, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. It takes on a whole new magical quality when we look at it with those kind of eyes. Yeah, and I think this, this speaks to the life of relationship as well, you know. The people we're closest to that we know so well. You know, how do we look at them freshly, just just with our love, below their names, be all, below all the names we've given them, below that we know, you know, my wife, Susan, we've been together for 20 years, and I know her so well I could finish her sentences. But loving her means I don't. I don't. That I say, wow, who are you today? I know you thought this about whatever we were talking about yesterday, but what are you, you're changing. You're alive. What do you, what do you think and feel now? That's wonderful. That's, that's great. Well, Mark, let me ask you this. One of the topics that many of our community members write to us about is, I want to go do something amazing in my life. I want to follow the dream. Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's ending one. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's moving. Maybe it's jumping off the ledge and following the dream that's been burning inside from the time you were little. But I'm afraid. So talk to us a little bit about how does fear play into this from the perspective of being awake? Well, fear always gets its power from not looking. And fear always gets its power from the future and the past. Unless, you know, in the present it gets its, fear has its power from immediate danger. You know, if, I, if we're talking and You're a being tiger chased appears, by a tiger. You're not being chased fear. by a tiger. That's not the kind of fear I'm talking uh, right. about. But, but we're, right, we're talking about a different kind of fear. We're talking about from our position in life and to possibility. Exactly. So, so fear gets its power from the future and the past and from not looking. It gets our, our fear from the past in, in terms of fearing that things that went badly will go badly again or that things that we had that were treasures will lose. And that's in the future. And we, we fear the worst in the future. So all of these things are that, or I won't be good enough or I won't be able to do it or this will happen or that will happen. So all of it ties into listening, which ties into presence, that we all experience these things. It's not that we're going to eliminate them. We blink how many times a day? Our eyes are closed, and then they're open. You know, and our heart opens and closes, as we mentioned, Mm -hmm. and so does our safety and our fear opens and closes. So it's not that we're going to eliminate that. But one way to minimize the impact of fear is to make a practice of returning to the present. And again, I I go back, I learned this first in the depths of my fear in my cancer journey, that the only place that was an oasis was the moment I was in. Even if that moment was difficult or painful, it was known It's kind of counterintuitive because most people would say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to be in this moment because this moment sucks because, and then they go into the litany of reasons of the perceived 
you know, the triggers but, that are that are saying this is why I'm afraid. Well, for me, from my, from my experience, and it may be different for other people, but I've learned that the perceived fears, the imagined fears, right, are actually more painful <laughs> and more engender more discomfort. Yeah than the actual fear or pain we're going through. Fear of the storm is always worse than the storm itself. Yeah, and I, I you know, because, you know, I, I, again, we'll go back to this, you know, one of the things I learned is early on in my journey, um, my cancer journey, I was 36 when I was thrown into this, and I was lucky that I hadn't been really through anything difficult physically, or in terms of illness, <clears throat> I, you know, I was really never sick before then or, or had really experienced any physical pain, difficult, really difficult medical stuff. So I was terrified of what I would have to go through. I was, you know, every time somebody came near me with something, I said, you know, my name is Mark and put me out. <laughs> That's my second name, put me out. Right. And, and of course, my karma, my journey was that I was in a situation because I, I had a undiagnosed tumor in my skull pressing on my brain that I had to go through every test until they figured it out awake in case they needed to use anesthetic at any moment for an indicated surgery. So I had to go through and, you know, and I went through things, and they were difficult, and some of them were painful, and some of them were just uncomfortable. And But I quickly learned that what was real and known and in me and in front of me, I could deal with. And actually, my fear of what was coming was ten times greater. Was ten times greater. And... <clears throat> So I think that, you know, our heart, which is, the st I believe, the strongest muscle we have, the strongest resource we have, yes. is yes. always there, ready, and as, a, as an amazing foundation to stand on, to lean on. And even though the, the nature of feeling difficult things is, oh my God, get me out of here, I can't take anymore, I can't... But you know what? We can. And resilience, which comes from the, the depth of our own hearts, which touches into the well of all hearts, I believe, can carry us, can carry us through anything. So where do we access that? This is where I say that wherever we are, when we stray, and this is why all the meditation practices and all the traditions encourage us to return to the moment because the moment is the wellspring from which we right-size the fear of the future and the fear of the past and the fear that comes from not looking. I love it. This is really, really good stuff. Mark, I want to ask you another question, and this is in sure. reference to something that you wrote in when you were writing about No Strangers in the Heart. And you said, 
I can affirm that each person is born with an unencumbered spot, free of expectation and regret, free of ambition and embarrassment, free of fear and worry, an umbilical spot of grace where we were first touched by God. It is this spot of grace that issues peace. Talk to us about that. Well, yeah, that's from a piece of mine called Unlearning Back to God. It's beautiful. And, it's beautiful. Oh, I mean, I you. pulled that out and just, I have it written right in front of me. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I do believe that, as that piece suggests, and, and let me pause for a moment and say that I really do believe as a writer, as a, that everything I write is an inquiry. And I'm discovering what I need to learn. Like, like when I wrote that, I didn't know that and say, oh, let me write it down and share uh-huh. it. I was feeling, you know, attention. What if? Yeah, I was feeling, you know, my own struggle with what is it that lives underneath all of our trouble? And by inquiring into that, I had a conversation with the unknown and the trail of that was the discovery of those words. So so what comes up then becomes my teacher, and I have to then work with it. So, yeah, so I, I discovered and believe that at the very center is this, this incorrupt, incorruptible spot of grace at our core. And the nature of of living on earth in experience, in a body, in time, is that in the same way that trees get moss and iron gets rust and windows get dirt and filmed over, that experience, the experience of becoming in the world, of leaning into experience and relationships and work and building and, you know, all everything covers over that, that spot. Mm-hmm. And the work of being, the work of loving, and also, uh, you know, harshly but true, the work of suffering, wears that film away back to that center. And it's through being and becoming, it's through this, this life that we all are here to live, that no one can escape, that we grow more beautiful, we grow wise, we, our inner beauty comes out. And so the goal isn't to stay clean or dirty. <laughs> exactly. It's a process. Yeah, the goal is to stay in this journey, which isn't easy, is it? So Some days it is. Other days well, it's more challenging. But I guess those right. are the days I'm clearing off the film from that spot of grace. Yeah, and, and this is another reason that we need each other. I, I believe that, that, that the journey of being human on Earth is, has been created, whether you believe it was created by God or just the natural forces of the universe or, or the, the unnameable mystery, the very way, the dynamic of our journey on earth requires us to help each other. And that's where love comes in. Yes, I, I, I have, no one can do this for me. And this is kind of the primary paradox of life. And mm-hmm. yet, no one can do it alone. No yeah. one can do it alone. Exactly. And so humbly we need each other. And that's a good thing. 
Well, Mark, you definitely, you definitely, I mean, I love just sitting and listening to your words. It makes me wonder, how do you stay on track with everything that you have going on in your writing and the teaching that you're doing? And you mentioned being on Oprah in a few weeks. I mean, these are big things that you're dealing with. How do you stay grounded? Do you have specific things that you do each and every day that you might share with us? Yeah, sure. And thank you for mentioning that. Let me mention for for our listeners that I've been blessed to be uh, on on Super Soul Sunday now, be coming up in two uh, episodes, one on November 10th, Part 1, and November 17th, Part 2, um, on, on the Super Soul Sunday show. Thank you. Um, of course. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, medieval monks, when asked how they practice their faith, would say by falling down and getting up. And that that makes sense to me. I, I I resonate with that. I think I do that all the time. And so I think that, you know, one, one of the ways that I return to center, um, I actually try to keep, uh, try is the key word, because I don't always do it, but I try to keep some vows for myself um, <clears throat> in in my daily life. And one is to stay visible. And by that, I don't mean be seen. I mean to not be hidden. I, I try to always assume my full stature, not be bigger than I am or smaller than I am, <clears throat> but to be who I am. Because, you know, our history and our wounds, we all carry them around. You know, I'm 62, but <clears throat> if I hit the right trigger in a situation, all of a sudden, I'm like that little insecure 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Even now at 62. We all have that. And it seems crazy, but it's right there. So I always try to return to be visible and not hidden. You know, the second is that I try to stay committed to looking. You know, we mentioned that fear gets its power from not looking. And, and actually, let me share here that the word respect literally means to look again, to inspect again, to respect, to go back to, to looking. So I try to look because even though, as we said in the beginning, when we need that sledgehammer, you know, some of the greatest truths and resources in life are so obvious, there are also a set of truths that are like hidden in the open. <laughs> They're kind of like very subtle and they require us they require our full attention they require our engagement so we're asked to look more than once to get closer you know it's like if you see a bird from afar and it's a beautiful bird and you can't make out what it is and you quietly try to get closer to it so the more so we, I try to commit to looking and the third is I, I try to I try to commit to the moment. And we've talked a lot about the moment already, and there's a lot of conversation in our time, rightfully, about living in the moment. But, but I want to mention here that sometimes we also almost make a cartoon of it. Be, living in the moment doesn't mean just advocating all responsibility and forgetting about the future or the past or who we are and just right. diving in and being wild. One of the true gifts of living in the moment, of being present completely wherever we are, is that in the same way that we climb a mountain and from the top we get a different view of the earth, 
when we are in the truly in a moment, any moment, it's like climbing that mountain of our life, and the reward for for being in the moment. One of the rewards is we see more. We get a a, a glimpse of the eternal perspective, and that lets us experience oneness and it also enables us to make we make different decisions when we see more so i I try to stay committed to the moment and there there are just two other vows here i would share you know one is that i try to maintain my friendship with all that is eternal so you know most of the things that are larger than us that really matter you know, the mystery, life force, grace, um, you know, everything that we, you know, love, which is larger than us, you know. Um, you know, it, they, you can't see them, and they're so big that we tend to make them abstract. And that's why I say befriend. Mm-hmm. Because we can actually have a friendship with the universe. And it's different when we treat the life we're in the same way we would a friendship. That's a and really fin- sweet way to look at it. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, the, the final vow, and that's the, the end of these vows that I try to keep, is, is that I try not to rehearse my way through life. You know, and I think that's a big one. We are, one of the, you know, the gifts of consciousness is that we remember a lot. We're always forming opinions, conclusions, insights, maybe if we're lucky, wisdom. But one of the downsides is that we're always preparing a response. You know, if I'm with What's... a friend or a stranger or whoever it is, and as soon as I open their mouth, I'm already, you know, my mind is ready to say, I know what they're going to say next. I know where this is going. And I already know what part of my experience I'm going to come back with. And all of that, all of that puts a screen between us and life. It just, it just puts a film, another kind of film, over us, like a callus. And so I, you know, to to try, you know, Thomas Merton, the wonderful Trappist monk, He said in one, in one of his wonderful writings, he said, you know, if we were to truly, truly behold each other, we would fall down and worship each other if we truly could see the being who's before us. That makes me smile. <laughs> that makes my heart smile. Uh, this is very good stuff. I will certainly tune in to Oprah's, tell me again what it's called. Soul Sunday? Super, Super Soul Sunday? Soul Sunday. It's on every Sunday on the Perfect. OWN TV network. And it's at 11 o'clock uh, Eastern Time and 11 o'clock Pacific Time. And it's you will be there on the 10th and the 17th this November, as in very soon. So we'll re- encourage yeah, yeah. our listeners to tune in and watch you there. Also, for our listeners, if you're listening to this incredible interview and you're out driving or running or walking through the woods or whatever, listening on your MP3, no worries. Just come on back to Inspire Me Today. You know, go find the section where you put the search box, put in Mark Nepo, N-E-P-O, Mark, 
and all the links will be there to his interview here as well as to his profile to his incredible Today's Brilliance which is what spurred this interview in the first place and Mark will also include any other links you want to give us to provide to our listeners for books anything else you're working on that you need our support with will be there for you we're very yeah very grateful and we just want to make sure that our listeners can find you easily yeah, thank you so much. So there are two websites um, that feature my work and teaching, and that's marknepo.com. And the other is three intentions, all spelled out as one word, dot com. And you can also find there, um, I mean, my latest book is Reduced to Joy, which is a book of poems um, that has just come out. And, um, and actually, um, if we have time, I'd be. I'd love to read one poem. Oh, please. Okay. I, we, well, we'll make the time. That's important. Oh, thank you. So this is a poem um, that's called "Where Is God?" Where is God? <clears throat> it's as if what is unbreakable, the very pulse of life waits for everything else to be torn away. And then, in the bareness that only silence and suffering and great love can expose, it dares to speak through us and to us. It seems to say, if you want to last, hold on to nothing. If you want to know love, let in everything. If you want to feel the presence of everything, well... Stop counting the things that break along the way. I I want you to keep going. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Thank, thank you. And this is from Reduced to Joy? Reduced to Joy, which is uh, my seventh book of poems, which just came out. Um, ju- it just came out just a little while ago. Um, and so I'm very, very, very happy about that. Um, and then, you know, my, my teaching and where I'm teaching and speaking and everything is on these websites as well. Outstanding. Well, again, I'm so very grateful to you, Mark, for showing up, for being here, for being present today and for sharing this wisdom of your insights with our community. I know you may have already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it because this is one of my standard ones. How's that? If, If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, that I would say that <clears throat> that everything that we want and hope for is right here in us and around us in flawed abundance. And that by daring by taking the, the risk and courage to be all of who we are, especially when we're in pain or afraid or, or feeling sad or weak, to be all of who we are and to take that risk will let that life we imagine reveal itself right, right now, right now before us. We, we are... Everything we we dream of, we are we already are, and by building and and listening and caring and loving and and holding each other up, 
um, and getting up ourselves, we, it's like a seed that, that, that breaks ground. That's, that's how it breaks ground out of us and shows itself in the world. Beautiful, beautiful. I am very much looking forward to reading your book, Reduced to Joy, and to checking out your appearance on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on the 10th and again on the 17th of November. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time, Mark. No, you're welcome, and thank you for for all you're doing and your work. It's great to be a part of it. Well, this is just, this is good stuff. I mean, you're one of my favorite luminaries that I've interviewed, but more than anything, I want to go curl up in my special favorite reading spot with that book. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it it calls to me, so I very much appreciate your writing it and uh, sharing it with us. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in closing? Um, No, I think that's that's great. It's just been a wonderful space we've been able to enter together. Excellent. Well, thank you again for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We're here for you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by. It's your dream, it's your sky.